Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 205, episode 5 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Friday, October 8th, 2021, so you know what that means. Mm -hmm. It is, of course, National Fluffernutter Day. The day we've all been looking forward to. (laughs) We will be off, by the way, on Monday for International Indigenous Peoples Day. So don't don't blow us up. Say, where's the episode? What happened? We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. Don't worry. Don't worry. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Soaking Time. One last call for bed jumpers so we can stop Jesus's tears. (laughs) Soaking time. God don't want us to bone. And hey, bro, my eyes are up here. <laughs> I know who I want to help me bone. That is courtesy of Chris Harvey at Real Chris Harvey, not the fake one. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Miles Gray. Uh, I saw Alanis Morissette last night, so in honor of that, it's Miles Gray, a.k.a. You're getting slammed in a Twitter debate Because you listened to Facebook and ate some horse paste You hate (laughs) 10,000 books because it points out that you're white It's like meeting Ben Shapiro and realizing he doesn't even have a wife The cell phone (laughs) seems ironic, don't you think? But I'm smoking too much chronic to really let that sink. I'm Miles Gray. Yay. Woo! Okay. Uh, let me just tell you, Alanis Morissette, 25-year anniversary tour, Jagged Little Pill. She's still, I could not believe how good her voice. It was, it gave oh, me, man. my spine almost shot out my body. It was, it, I don't even, I don't know how else to describe it. And also Shirley Manson from Garbage also killed it too. So, wow. Garbage and Alanis Morissette. Yeah. The year was 1995 last night, you know. And was was it like the Kanye 808 show where he she just did the album straight through or how No, did, she how, no, she kind of she she did it. A, yeah, a little bit a little bit from here and there, you know. Uh-huh. But it was I I honestly I couldn't believe like how how her she's maintained her voice for this long and it's it was really like I felt like there's it's it was still 1995. So Damn. I've rediscovered my fandom. Wow. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a suspiciously first-rate guest Mm -hmm. to be on our uh, second-rate podcast that opens with us singing about floating. She -hmm. is the New York Times best-selling author of the book Rich Bitch, a TV news anchor, businesswoman, philanthropist, and most impressively of all, of course, a podcaster. She's been (laughs) an anchor on CNN, CNBC, and Bloomberg was the money-saving correspondent for the Wendy Williams Show and hosts the very informative podcast Money Rehab with Nicole Lappin uh, on the iHeartRadio Podcast Network. Please welcome the brilliant, the talented Nicole Lappin! How you doing? Good. How are you? You know, I am better now that I'm hanging with you guys in my pod closet, which I spend many, many hours in during the day. How many hours are you clocking in that pod closet? Well, I'm doing my audiobook now by myself. So I'm talking to myself basically all day and all night long, and I never want to hear the sound of my own voice. Yeah. <laughs> so talking. during Indigenous People's Day, I'm just not talking to any people. Yeah. Just, yeah, going on a, si- a vow of silence for that That's day. That's right. Talking to yourself in your own words that you wrote a while ago. Ooh. That sounds... So meta. Yeah, very meta. And uh, that would that would make me a little bit crazy. Would you would you think you would start second guessing? Like, does that process ever be like, oh, man, I think I can reword that. But then you're like, but this is already locked. So do I deviate or you find it very easy to just trust what you've written? It's a good question. I for the first book I wrote, I'm on my fourth book, which is bananas. I need to take book birth control immediately. (laughs) If you know where to find (laughs) that, please let me know. (laughs) For Rich Bitch, I thought nobody was going to listen to it ever. So I just basically had a little party with myself and made jokes that were not funny. Maybe they were just funny to myself, which most of my jokes are. Um, And then audiobooks became a thing. And they became more and more popular. So I kind of have to take it seriously. But no, I can't second guess anything. Because as you guys know, there's this crazy supply chain issue with 
all products, furniture and chips and everything and books included. So I got a spot in the printer and I cannot get out of the spot or my book is not going to come out till 2025. Oh, my God. But if I want it out in January... Mama's got to read what's on the page. Yeah. And Mama's even with typos. What she wrote. <laughs> the she wrote. I've ever done. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Book birth control, by the way, I think is just listening to podcasts, just clearing <laughs> your brain of any good ideas. But what maybe... was the podcast festival or something that podcast recently? Movement? The yeah. One I I yeah heard which that. sounds yeah. like a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A podcast <laughs> movement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Nicole, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Uh, First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. We're going to talk about a Texas federal judge has ended the abortion ban for now. We're going to talk about the underrated, underreported, undercounted deadliness of heat waves. We might even get to Andrew Cuomo's book. We will definitely get to tall Zoom energy. That's a thing. All of that, plenty more. But first, Nicole, we do like to ask our guests. What is something from your search history? So the most recent thing on my phone search history is Birds of Paradise dog. <laughs> mm, birds of Paradise. So my puppy, Penny, and her name is very on brand for a money person. <laughs> yeah. Of course, she is the mascot of Money Rehab. You can follow her at DocuCoin. I know you guys are already doing that. <laughs> Who else would you be following? Uh, but she eats all the things and she ate Birds of Paradise. And wow. as a protective dog mommy, I wanted to see if she was allowed to eat those. And apparently she's not. So that's when I took Penny to the doggy emergency oh, room. No. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's like actually is poisonous or just saying like they're better not off eating that or the the article was like get to a vet now it was like somewhere in between but Mm -hmm. penny like noshed on all the birds of paradise so she really like inhaled them and yeah they induced vomiting and five hundred dollars later and that's what's left yeah okay search history oh penny i'm yeah i regularly have to search things about what I can give my dog. The le- last thing I searched was cashews because <laughs> look at Penny. Wow. Oh Penny man. Is adorable. Wakey. And We're talking about you. <laughs> she looks not like as she, happy I've never... <laughs> to meet us as we are to meet her. It seems it's like actually oh, looks Penny. like you're waking up a dog. Like <laughs> you know, sometimes you wake up a dog like what? But Penny looks like, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah recently oh. I, I i searched cashews because i was eating them and then do you know like the other like earlier this week there was just that wild thunderstorm that hit the city yeah. and it's like lightning everywhere so my dog was losing it but my dog will not bark or get startled by fireworks or lightning like if i have treats it's very interesting like he will just mm. focus immediately be like yes i will sit down and have my ears up at attention please give oh, me wow. this treat and i only had cashews at the time and i was like is this okay turns out it's okay, but don't put your dog on a cashew diet either. Right. It's okay, Jason. The say. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's just like, you know, it's fine, but just don't think that's you you can just start giving your dog cashews all the time. Guys, I, I have a question. We're all in LA and with dogs. Why did we not do a podcast doggy date? I know. I it's, know. It's a missed this opportunity. Damn pandemic. Ugh. Um but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to meet Penny in person. Uh, I'm not sure if she wants to meet She's you. looking straight in the camera. You I get know. her a show. Just amazing eye contact. <laughs> she just made like very uh, intense eye contact with me and then yawned. Yawn. Like yeah. did a stage yawn at, <laughs> at me. So do you do you have Birds of Paradise that or do you no longer have Birds of Paradise like in Flower Park at your abode? So it wasn't at my abode. It was at a hotel in uh, San Diego that was really billed as a dog-friendly hotel. Come on. And I know. And so then I was really pissed. Yeah. Because Penny was just out in the terrace doing her thing, like yeah. at her dog-friendly hotel. And they can't have right. yeah. things that dogs can't eat at a dog-friendly hotel. So I got yeah. really pissed at them. Dog friendly, except for these delicious looking flowers right. that are and actually chocolate poisoned. bars, like yeah, right. <laughs> right. And we have a, a baker chocolate fondue <laughs> fountain um, <laughs> that it's at knee level, not for the dogs though. Very lethal <laughs> baker's chocolate. It's lethal, but our guests love it. 
Uh, Birds of Paradise, though, one of the best flower, best named flowers, in my opinion. I think yeah. they really nailed that name. It does look like a bird. <laughs> Kenny doesn't think it's paradise, though. Shout out yeah. to that botanist. <laughs> Shout out to whoever named that flower. What is something uh, you think is overrated? I think leasing a car is overrated. I know we live in L.A. and everybody does that. I think what's underrated is buying a used car four years old or older because that's the greatest depreciation period and then running that jalopy into the ground. You don't have to flex with your ride if it takes you into financial prison. Right. But now we're getting that money rehab knowledge right right now. I'm like, good. I just paid off my car. Good. And I'm, you know, and now and but my plan is run that shit into the ground. That's right. Which I've done with every other car prior to that. But yeah, it, I know many people who get caught in like the vanity of leasing, like having a new car constantly. And they're also just like constantly complaining about how expensive their car lease is. And I'm like, this isn't just so you can have a Mercedes that shoots a light on the ground that has a logo <laughs> on it. Okay. Now, this is your uh, area of expertise, but uh, something you haven't addressed is I just have been renting a Dodge Charger for the last three years from Avis. Do you, <laughs> do you recommend that? Is that smart financially? How much have uh, you spent, Jack? <laughs> I mean, it's my it number one expense. It's our number one household expense. It does not have the light on the bottom. And one then Miles no. just mentioned that. Ah, not approved. Okay. If it okay. had a light, it'd be a different story. Right. All Is right. it projecting a, a Dodge logo from the side view mirrors <laughs> onto the ground so people know even more what kind of car you drive? <laughs> but, okay, so leasing, overrated. I, I like that. Yeah, it's uh, a scam. It truly is a scam. I'm not even going to miss words about it. Yeah. But why do you think the car companies came up with it? To make money. To make right. your money. Right. To be to like, well, now that you don't you. like that, here's a new car. Because I remember when right. my I was about to pay my car off, I've never been contacted more from the dealership. Be like, hey, man, we got the 2022s about to roll in. You want to? <laughs> we can right. just. I know you're one payment away from straight up owning this vehicle. But what if we got you to come in and test drive this other car that's slightly better than the one you have and get you in another lease or into it, just the lease itself? But yeah. Right, which you're paying new car price for a used car by the time you turn it in, and then you turn it in. You don't even own the car. Right, right, right. And four years or older is when it depreciates, but it's not. That's not reflective of the value, especially like new cars are really. They do a good job with these cars these days, as I understand it. Right, like they last. Yeah, they last a pretty long time, don't they? Mm Hmm. Yeah, I think as sources say, they they do last, but they are very, very expensive and they lose value the second you drive them off the lot. And so a four-year-old car doesn't look that different. Like the interface is probably the same and the light is still probably there. I'm not talking about like getting a a Pinto or something. Yeah. You know, get something that was gently used. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about that. You know, you do always want to trust a used car salesperson. So that that's the reason they have that reputation of being trustworthy, right? It's, yeah. You just, the most. Unless it was me <laughs> when I used to sell used cars or on the lot when I worked on a Dodge lot. Everyone's like, you got to sell the used, man. That's where you're going to kill. That's where you're going to make yeah. the money, man, selling the used. And I'm just like so bad at I'm bad at like aggressive sales. Like I'm good at like, you know, finessing my words and, you know, the rhetorical mastery of it all. But the part where it's time to get somebody to be like, Throw your money away on this now, I would fall apart. Um, <laughs> right. But, you can't yeah. lie. You're a good man. Too honest. Too honest. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see. That that could all change when, once right. my cult starts up. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What's something you think is underrated? Underrated is buying a used car or, you know, a SEP or a Simple or a bunch of retirement accounts that aren't super sexy. I love the people who did the marketing for a 401k. 401k is like the darling, but I think that's overrated. There are a ton of other retirement accounts that I think are underrated and the more the merrier when it comes to retirement accounts. I think a lot of folks think the 401k is like the only girl at the dance. She's not. There are others. Mm. Mm. And does your company need to like participate in the other like retirement accounts or you can just kind of pick and choose if you have a 401k? Well, so you can have a 401k and an IRA. I know you guys are stoked. An IRA. IRA, Love that Roth IRA life. 
You just go to the bank and you can open up an IRA, a traditional or a Roth. And the only difference is taxes. With a Roth, you pay taxes now. With a traditional, you pay taxes when you take it out. And so that's like a whole other category of retirement accounts than the 401k. So you can have a 401k and you can have a Roth IRA and a traditional if you want. And then SEPs and SIMPLES are like other variations of IRAs in that family if you own your own business. Wow. I'm so it's uh, how did you become so financially literate? Because I grew up in the most pretty financially illiterate home or like one where a lot of those things were not communicated to me. So it was a lot of trial and error once I got out of college. So I, I would always meet people with their financial shit together. I'm like, how did you get there? What oh, is your st- how, I lied. Why do you know? I lied. True story. I grew up in an immigrant family. So I'm first generation American, uh, super broken home. My father died of an overdose when I was young. My mother sort of pieced out and I just needed to work. So I needed to get a job. We talked about this before we went on the air. We're all in L.A. Mm. I went to an arts high school. I wanted to be a dancer. And then I went to college to be a poetry major. So, like, I'm the least likely person to be a finance expert or whatever. I never thought I'd even be in business or talking about business. But then I started in journalism and I auditioned for this small station group in Chicago. I went to Northwestern and I wanted to get like a local news job. And they said, well, you don't get this job, but do you know anything about business? And I was 18 at the time. And mm-hmm. I just said, yes. I just lied. Business? Yeah. Oh, I was like, yeah. absolutely yeah. love Wait, business all day, Did every day. Did you not read my resume? Come right? on. Right? Twice on Sunday. Yeah. Like, I had a boyfriend in high school who said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager, and I thought the dude wanted to be in gardening. Yeah. <laughs> So really, if honestly, I could do this, right. anyone could do this. Sure, sure, sure. For real. No, and it, yeah, and I mean, I've, I've, it's, I've gathered that over the years when people are like, try this, read up about that. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. I think it's just uh, at a certain point, there was just, I think I, my priorities are just completely off. So uh, it took like moments like that to realize like, yeah, that's right. We live in a very complex financial system here as well, especially as it relates to like taxes and things like that. So at, at a certain point, I think I just became very apathetic because it just felt like, well, this is. I get it. I would have been apathetic if I didn't yeah. need it to pay the bills. I sure. wouldn't have done it otherwise, for sure. And what I realized is that money is a language like anything else. We just didn't have a Rosetta Stone for this language, no matter what high school you went to or growing up, no matter what kind of household you grew up in. We don't learn this stuff in school. We learn a bunch of BS, like how to dissect a frog or the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, that BS. Why? Why do we need to, like, if we want to know when... Right? Like yeah. when a train Fucking gets to a station. Right triangle. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you I know mean, what the Pythagorean theorem is, don't you? Yeah. I, I, what I is it? I'm sure A squared plus B oh, squared equals C squared. That's but, right. Or the, but, you, but then you start asking me about retirement. I'm like, uh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> right? If I were in charge of the world, we would learn about steps and simples instead of isosceles triangles. But... I'm not yet. And, (laughs) you know, I think that for me, out of necessity, I just went to the school of hard knocks. And, you know, if you go to China or you don't speak Chinese, you'd be confused. If you go to Wall Street, you don't speak the language of money, you'd be confused. But then, hello, Captain Obvious, once you speak it, you understand it. But first, you have to just learn this silly little language. But it's, like, not complicated. And so. And I think that's probably intentional, too, because I think most people, if you're not making globs of money, you don't learn a lot of the other tricks of the trade or like wealth accumulation tactics that people have and it seems like yeah you just be like well well, then that's for someone else but then you realize no it's just we can educate ourselves or maybe give ourselves a different outcome yeah and then a lot of women in particular you know i wrote rich bitch and either thought it was gonna fail or crush it there was no gray area people were gonna have feelings about the book But because I think women in particular don't get their financial lives together because they think a guy is going to take care of it. And listening to you guys, case in point, guys are not going to take care of it. Guys don't know more. Nobody knows anything. Shit out of a spider, though. Yeah. Thank you. you (laughs) Or I will escort it outside because I like spiders, but I'm there. But yeah, you start talking about college funds and stuff like that. Like my partner and I were like, should we be in a college fund? I'm like, man, I'm going to sell an NFT. And then, like, good. <laughs> you know, I'm like, there's like, that's not a strategy. I'm like, you're right. 
<laughs> Do you have a like a crash course that you recommend for people just to like kind of like what what did you read to first sort of learn the language? I was just on the floor of the Chicago Merc, which is like Wolf of Wall Street style. And so I learned it there. And I realized like when I heard people say short, I thought it was the opposite of tall, but it's not. It's just the opposite of long in the Wall Street world. And it's not complicated. It's like it just means something's going in the pooper. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to fail. And that's all. But nobody says it like that. They say, you know, most folks who explain it don't even understand what the heck they're saying. And so I thought that there was an opportunity to be like, hello, everybody is just like smoking something here. Can can somebody just explain this? Like, say it plain how it is. And so that's what I tried to do. And so folks wanted that. Yeah. So rich bitch would be the crash course that people (laughs) need to Rich bitch would be a good place to start. Uh, Boss bitch would be another good place to start. Miss Independent is the book I have coming out in uh, January. And not to sort of like, sell my own books, but I came up with the money school because I kept saying the same type of spiel, like, why isn't there a class? And so I kept saying it so much. I was like, I might as well do one because, and it doesn't include the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. You're You're really hard on the Pythagorean theorem, by the way. I I, I do have to stand up for the Pythagorean theorem. It's never steered me wrong, as far as I know, in the zero times that I've had to use it in my everyday life. You're right. Is, You're right. It, it's well, always we ha- there let's for be me. fair, Miles. You know, we've been really hard on her. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And a Texas federal judge has put an end to the abortion ban for now. This is District Judge Robert Pittman. He issued a 113-page opinion uh, on Wednesday night, and it basically just calls out all the things that people have been saying about this law, like, from the start, that effectively it reverses, you know, the Constitution, like, what what is agreed on legally as, like, legal precedent in the country. Yeah, it's just it's as unconstitutional as it looked. And this just judge this because his opinion was so different than what the Fifth Circuit or even the Supreme Court did, which was basically be like, oh, I don't know how to if we can enforce. This is very tricky. This bill that they've <laughs> and then just sort of like let things go on. But th- I mean, this this judge was unequivocal. He said, quote, from the moment SB8 went into effect, women have been unlawfully prevented from exercising control over their lives in ways that are protected by the Constitution. That other courts may find a way to avoid this conclusion is theirs to decide. This court will not sanction one more day of this offensive deprivation of such an important right. People are like, whoa, okay, well, easy, go a little bit easy on uh, SCOTUS <laughs> there. But, you know, this law was deliberately designed to avoid any kind of judicial review, like so that no one could find someone to sue over this law, because what they did was just sort of say, we're going to basically make it so private citizens are going to be the ones that's the enforcement mechanism, not the Mm -hmm. government or the state itself. So because of that, good luck trying to, you know, that's the way the bill's set up. It's not us. It's it's just everyday citizens that are going to enforce this. So if that was just sort of everyone just had their hands up and most people were like, this is just so just so just flatly cynical when you look at just how it's designed and there's no one to sue, then there's no judicial review. And Pittman wasn't buying this sort of blatant, again, legal cynicism and said, you know, the state of Texas very much does have a hand in enforcement as it relates to things like instructing judges on the penalties to assess under this specific law. So the judge wasn't buying it and saying, no, you know what, this is I'm not I can't I can't let this stand. So he just went on to dismantle many of the arguments about like what is even a heartbeat at six weeks, what does it even mean for most people at six weeks that may not even know that they're pregnant or and also like issues as it relates to access and things like that. So right now, the law can't be enforced. But a lot of like abortion providers are also a little bit worried about, you know, there's there is a provision in the bill that allows for retroactive lawsuits to be brought. Um, So even during this time, if it were reinstated, they feel like that's in the wording. So they're still trying to figure things out. And they've made it clear, the state of Texas, like, we're going to appeal to the Fifth the fifth Circuit that 
already looked the other way the first time we brought this around. So it's a very much, you know, a back and forth at this point. But at least this is a a small victory. Right. I mean, from the perspective of someone in the finance world, it's really disturbing that the Texas abortion ban pits people in low socioeconomic groups against each other. So the wealthy elite, regardless of what goes on in SCOTUS or the laws of the state, are always going to be able to get reproductive health care. Yeah. But it's the folks in low socioeconomic groups that can't travel to another state or miss work or hourly work to get an abortion. So this pits people who have unwanted pregnancies against people who need a couple bucks. And, you know, that's not really been reported extensively, but I find that the most appalling. Oh, yeah. just sort of like the incentive, like how they're incentivized, essentially. Yeah, yeah it's to 10 grand. That's a lot of money. 10 grand. Yeah. The yeah. what one of the people who brought one of the first lawsuits was like, yeah, I mean, I'm pro-life ish, but or anti-choice ish. But really, I'm just doing this because I need the money. I'm a disgraced lawyer. <laughs> like things aren't going great. Right. And I got a big boat. Uh, got a <laughs> I got a boat, boat note pay- coming up. Payments to so. make. Yeah, it's it's fucked. And it, it really is like, I, I think a decision that has been made or at least a lesson that's been learned in politics that like if everything's happening among people who are you know in the lower levels of the you know very real american caste system people like the mainstream media won't pay attention to it like that right. they won't cover it yeah do you guys know how pregnancy weeks work i think we've no. talked about it i mean before, i mean but... like very in like a very from reading articles many times and knowing like what like in in terms of gestation like what at six weeks they're interpreting as a heart rate which is an electrical impulse and there's the fetus at that point is not even developed an actual heart i mean things like that but i would not say i'm an expert by any stretch no i'm not an expert either i did a couple episodes on this i had a miscarriage earlier this year and it was actually only then that i figured out how pregnancy weeks work so they actually add two weeks on when they're talking about how many weeks you are pregnant so you count it from you know your last menstrual cycle but obviously that's not when you got pregnant and so six weeks in this case is technically four weeks from conception which is really hard for any woman to know right and and that's all this judge said it's like this is just setting down an impossible task for someone who is pregnant to even know and to for most people like when they even know they're pregnant it's well past six weeks so you know, a credit to this judge for like sadly being brave enough to defend like what people had agreed upon was a constitutional right and to not just give like a, you know, like and then the Supreme Court is like a, a like a couple paragraphs to just sort of explain that's complex and, you know, we're, we're not going to really touch it. So, it, yeah, I, and I think I hope that this can at least set a higher standard and we'll see if again this appeal what happens with that because the fifth circuit again was more than willing to accept these kinds of arguments the first time but nicole you're saying that it's not counting back from the last from your missed menstrual cycle it's counting back from your last menstrual cycle that you actually had yeah i actually didn't know that until i was pregnant right so ob explained (laughs) this to me and so yeah so Let's say, you know, your last menstrual cycle was, what, October 1st. And, you know, we know how babies are made, you know, happens in the middle of your cycle, right? So let's say conception was around, you know, the 15th or something like that. Then, you know, six weeks out is actually November 15th. Right. So even though that's four weeks since conception... It gives you so they two count weeks. it from the beginning. Yeah, they just add on two weeks. And so that really gives you two weeks from your missed menstrual period, which obviously is not always like, okay, this is clockwork. It's not here, so I must be pregnant. Like that. Right. There's all sorts of different reasons for, you know, delayed menstrual periods. And so like that that really gives you two weeks best case scenario to know if if you're going by you know, the you're missing a, a menstrual cycle. Like yeah. that's two weeks. To then needing to get a hotel and you know, right. making all those plans. Yeah. Jesus. 
it's not enough time. And especially, you know, how are you going to get time off work? There's all these other economic issues that are embedded into this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because like in Texas, they're also arguing. It's like, well, we're not cutting like people can go to like Oklahoma or like Colorado or like other places. And like and that works. But the judge is like, no, no, you don't understand. If you are allowed to have a law that's unconstitutional like this, then every state can. So it's not that this state is just in a vacuum. So, again, like, you know, their very disingenuous attempt at doing this was like rightly observed and a proper opinion was like written on it. But, yeah, at this point, I think this is just something that we're going to keep seeing them trying to test what's going to work or what's not. And, you know, if SCOTUS will deliver a death blow eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would just say that nobody is pro-abortion. You know, nobody is. In the episode that we did about this, I talked about a pregnancy termination that I had when I was much younger. And I was on birth control and I was taking another pill that made it ineffective. And it was by far the worst day of my life. And so when you see protesters, I'm always like, who do you think you're protesting against? These are like your sisters potentially or your coworkers. I only then opened up to friends and I had no idea that other so many of my friends and other women have gone through the very same thing. So I would just underscore that this idea that this is somehow like a birth control or a fun, you know, excursion to Oklahoma. It's not. It's devastating. Yeah. Kind of off of your point, Nicole, I do I do want to talk about this uh, L.A. Times report about heat waves which is basically that they're saying that heat waves are six times deadlier than the official counts recognize just using data of like how many people would normally die during a period and then how many people die when the temperature is like extremely elevated and also off of your point earlier is happening to the sorts of people that we don't see reported on which is the poorest people, the unhoused, the elderly, the infirm, like people who, you know, the news is like, we don't we don't really want to see stories about them. And it's, you know, way higher than anybody gives it credit for. They point out in the article that after a massive heat wave in California, I think in 2020, there were so many deaths and like in a normal natural disaster, you would see rep- like nonstop reporting and like, where did we fall short? What happened? And there there was none of that. It was like it didn't happen. And I, I think part of the problem is that these deaths aren't really like easy to see or like picture in your mind's eye. Like even in the article, as they describe the deaths, they sort of happen like off camera, like an elderly man is like, working digging ditches on a, during a heat wave and goes home feeling sick and is found that night in cardiac arrest in his driveway. And it's like you don't see them because they're just like not necessarily things that are happening in front of people. That's more kind of deaths of neglect. And I just like in general, I always talk about how movies really give us our visual like vocabulary for things like we our vision of space is mostly based on like movies that we've seen take place in space or, you know, our vision of countries we haven't been to. And like every other natural disaster has been depicted in movies. Like I can picture people in floods and tsunamis, like freezing earthquake twist or hurricane. But like there's there's nothing for really like a, a heat death other than like somebody in on like a desert island and it's like a slow dissolve to a skeleton with a pirate hat on or whatever. Right. But they're just pointing out that like this is the deadliest form of natural disaster already in America. And it's only going to get worse from here until we address climate change. And we're just not, you know, that like California put together a list of, I think, 40 recommendations for like how they could address this problem and of heat death of heat death. Yeah. And just like extreme heat and like being prepared for it. And years later, they're asked about it and they're like, yeah, well, we've made like progress on like six of those things, which and the articles like that's even a stretch. 
So it's just something to keep an eye on because it is like sort of this silent, invisible killer that is happening more and more because of climate change. Right. Yeah, but that's the community that climate change is affecting the most. Yeah. And you guys have seen a lot of this news around the debt ceiling recently. And part of this, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, then FEMA is not going to have as much money to take care of people that are hit by natural disasters. And of course, we've seen from these climate change reports that that's only going to increase. So that really scares me. Right. And on top of it, you have people in the Senate who are willing to just weaponize that to be like, yeah, like I'll trigger a global recession. <laughs> like, watch. Yeah. And then that way I can just point the finger at Joe Biden in the midterms because that's how cynical we are. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely, I think, just this ongoing problem. But yeah, to the idea of like people not having the imagination. I mean, I remember like my grandfather had a story about like in the war about how he got heat stroke. Or, you know, just at the time he was just digging in a just out in the direct sunlight and described all these things that happened to him. And even as a kid, I was like, just from being in the sun. And I think Mm -hmm. because we don't have the imagination for it, it seems like this very obscure thing. Yet every time you look at a heat wave come, you can just see the death rates go up, whether it's here or like in Europe a few years ago. Like it's it's just a very it's a very real thing. But, yeah, we just I don't know if. We can people can are able to connect it because it just seems like an obscure way to die. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody has to do something about it. You know, during the the news cycle of the climate change report, I saw this really interesting quote. I was talking to my partner about it. who does a lot of work in climate change. And he said that this man said to his wife, you know, I'm scared to raise children in a time like this. And then the woman said, I disagree. It's the ultimate privilege. I always love this quote to raise dragon slayers in a time when there are dragons to slay. Yeah, mm. I I love that. I've already talked to my five year old and three year old about like, hey, so this is going to be the main challenge of your lifetime is like we, we have to figure out how to deal with all sorts of shit. But climate on changes. your hands. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But I think that's yeah. why that this these younger kids have a much more acute form of like eco anxiety than any other generation. You know, like they're they tr- I think they're it's really connecting <laughs> the dots for them that like this is for many people who are under forty things can begin will begin to look very different very quickly. Yeah, eco anxiety that's a thing too. Yeah, <laughs> there's like a study time. about it. Yeah, just how it's affecting you know just this idea of how. It seems like every day you're reading a report about how coral reefs are beginning to mm-hmm. disappear or the biodiversity is shrinking and like the biomass is going like just all these things. And it just feels like a cascading, never ending omni crisis of the environment. And that is yeah. like that leads to a very specific form of anxiety around like how viable our Earth is going to be. I tried to focus it on more like you guys get to build an entire new world. Like it's going to yeah. be actually from daddy's know, there's bones. A lot of, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of creativity. I'm going to be a dried out husk that blows away <laughs> with, uh, with a, a pirate hat on. Yeah. With a pirate hat on. I do uh, want, want people to, uh, to be whimsical. my bones. Yeah. He was a nice man. <laughs> yeah. I had an air of whimsy to my tragic heat death. Yeah. No, but there's a lot of money to be made, actually. I mean, think about the infrastructure that we built this country on, right? The railroads and all of that. We have to rebuild it, which is going to create a lot of money. So when Wall Street is like, oh, these tree-huggy people, no, no, dudes. There's a lot of money to be built in this. Right. But I guess they're like, but we have way too much momentum going from the old way we do it. Like, that's kind of a stretch. Now we got to give up the fossil fuels and improve our grid that can barely handle any kind of new clean energy revolution. I mean, it's just so much to spend money on. But yeah, that's a huge task and would create a lot of jobs is we have to modernize the grid in this country to even have any meaningful conversation about how clean energy is going to be part of our climate change solution. Yeah. Tell him, tell him Penny about about the grid. Yeah. Penny didn't like that last point. (laughs) The grid is fine. (laughs) Real quick. So I have a uh, in-depth understanding of the debt ceiling. You mentioned that and like, I'm kind of an expert on it, but would you mind just for the listeners giving like kind of an overview of your, of your thoughts on, on that whole debate? Because it, I, I actually don't know shit about it, but between you and me. 
Uh, and, uh, <laughs> just between us girls. Yeah, just between us girls. I don't, I don't even know what a debt ceiling is, but uh, it it does. The way we've covered it is mostly like it seems kind of like a arbitrary thing that one party starts complaining about when the other party's in power to try and fuck up the economy while while they have power. And like, I get that there are actual financial dynamics at work and like eventually you know debtors have to be paid but at the same time like i feel like it works off of this idea of well the u.s government is just another individual that we should think of as like a financial like a company or a person and it's actually like no they are the like they can print money (laughs) like that's a that's a pretty big difference between them and us but is there anything drastically wrong that I just said there? No, I would like to have a money printing machine as well. Yes. So the debt ceiling is the name for the maximum amount of money that the government is allowed to borrow to pay their bills. So right, right. now the debt ceiling is $28.4 trillion. Casual, right? Right. So you might be thinking that's plenty of money. But no, the debt is over $28.43 trillion. So I know. What are the chances? Hey, lift up those couch cushions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So the national debt is a couple billion dollars higher than what the government is allowed to borrow. So in situations like this, You would raise the debt ceiling or for the government, you know what, let's just borrow a little bit more so we can pay what we owe or print that money. But if the government can't decide, there is a deadline looming, guys. I think it's December 3rd. Um, Yeah, they just they just barely eked it by. Do you hear Penny? She's very excited about this. Uh, The government, if they can't decide about the debt ceiling, that would bring the conversations onto next year's budget to a halt. So if the budget isn't agreed upon, then some federal services can't operate. And then America goes into government shutdown. So government shutdown could mean delays or pauses in Social Security payments, which are really important to a lot of people, child tax credit payments, veterans benefits, you know, funding for folks affected by natural disasters, as we talked about, nutrition programs for kids, paychecks for federal employees, like all the things, you know. You can't go to national parks or you can't go to the passport agency. Like all the government programs won't exist. So it doesn't mean it's a complete shutdown. You know, there are essential things like border control or air traffic control or law enforcement. But a lot of those employees don't get paid, actually, until the shutdown is lifted. Cool. 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 Yeah. All right. Yeah. And it's all it's always good for someone to default on their debts, too. You know, like yeah. that's this, <laughs> the bringing the credit score down and it, then it costs more jobs. And yeah, it's just a it's just total chaos. But that's what's make that's what makes it so just un, just so stupid, because the debt is accumulated under presidents of both parties, you know, and it's something that they constantly have to do. But to suddenly act like, oh, I don't know, Joe Biden, blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> like, well, now you're completely mischaracterizing what's happening for the right. sake of just like winning these cynical, you know, rhetorical points for a campaign. Well, it wasn't just now. I mean, remember 2019, there, that was the longest government shutdown in history under Trump it was mm-hmm. 35 right. days. We don't want to go back there again. No. You know, it's 2021. Nobody wants to be working for free. And so if the United States could actually default on its loans for the first time, that creates a whole other cascade of issues. Yeah. You know, the stock market, the global economy. Yeah. Important things are at stake. Yeah, I've heard of both those things. They must be important. (laughs) The stock market and the global economy. Damn. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some bullshit. And we're back. And it's time to talk about something called tall zoom energy Mm -hmm. which is a a phenomenon that people are coming into contact with after you know working remote for a long time and then seeing their coworkers in person for the first time or just for the first time in in a while and having forgotten how tall they are and realizing wow you know you 
your energy is more that of a like six five person or more that of a five eight person, and you are either way taller or way shorter than I expected. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is apparently happening a lot as many people go from just seeing you on Zoom to in physical space, and more just like that. It's also kind of. It's like a lot of people like kind of a weird backhanded compliment or can be a compliment in other situations. But um, this in this article, they talked to a few different people who are just sort of talking about like the things that they went through. One person who was uh, working remotely ran into like one of their like senior people from their company on a flight. And the person was like shorter than they were. And like this woman was like, I'm short, but I couldn't believe that. Like this person was shorter than me. She says, quote, I'm short. So I just kind of expect everyone to be taller than me. I think at some level, you expect people who are higher up than you in the company to be taller than you, too. Uh, okay, I know it's very limited thinking, but I think that's just some bizarre way humans think, probably born out of, like, evolutionary shit. Yeah, but she, that's why the presidents are usually tall. <laughs> right. And on this flight, she was like, she was like, I have to know everything about all the coworkers' heights now. <laughs> this, like, for this specific employee, they were like, they said, quote, I was like, I can't be surprised like this again. They said we had our five-hour flight back to D.C. together so we could really run through the full list of everyone. Now, what? You know, I mean, does she need some work to do? Because <laughs> I have some I could offer. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You want to know what, how height? What's work, work on those CPS reports real quick. Right. But th this whole thing is like, you know, a lot of people, when you let someone know, like, you're just OMG shocked that they are shorter or taller, that can be taken in a lot of different ways. Like I was saying earlier. Right. If you're, you know, if you're like, oh, God, I thought you'd be taller. Like, so what are you trying to say about my height? And also, what are you saying that, that my height being what it is? How, what, what, how does that affect anything for you? It's almost like there's no good way to to make that statement, because if you think I'm taller than I actually am based on Zoom, then that's like, I'm well, that is how tall I am. So I'm stuck there. And if you think I'm shorter than I turn out to be, then it's like I give off the energy of like, I, I give off small energy. I'm short to it, you have. Yeah. So <laughs> should we guess all of each other's heights? Well, this is an interesting yeah. thing, right? This researcher said that people actually have a really good ability to clock someone's height just from a photograph. Like, it's just a right. weird thing. I just like, they're like, I know it seems odd, but they can do it. I just want to read this one tidbit before we do try this exercise. A few years ago, they did a study where they showed participants photos of people's faces and asked them to guess the heights of the people in the photos. Quote, we found a really high correspondence between people's ability to tell how tall the people actually were. The judgments are within an inch. This is just from a black and white photo uh, picture of someone's face. So this is but this, I think, doesn't take away from the tall zoom energy. And in fact, I think it lends credence to it because first of all like anybody who has ever like watched a movie and then found out how tall the movie star actually is knows that this is a thing right that like you just expect people to be a different size than they actually are and i think like it's easier with a black and white picture a snapshot of a stranger you there's no we're apparently loose. right we're apparently able to just like get that like bring that in. But if you're meeting with them for hours a day or just you're on a podcast with them, you start getting like takeaways and like you start getting basically moved away from the truth that you would have gotten from a single momentary like black and white snapshot. Okay. And so it, it it does seem like there is an energetic thing that is like hard to define, but that is real. You know, so look, Nicole, you got you have a few context clues. OK, right. Go ahead. Enter your uh, your answer for how tall you Jack just sat up. Sorry, am I out of frame? Sorry, I got to make myself so dang small for these rooms that the normies <laughs> have to operate in. How tall do you think Jack and I are? Are you going to guess how tall I am? Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll go. Yeah, yeah. And then you you say, and we will not react to what you say. And then we will then give our answers back to you. And then we'll say the truth. I'm going to burst into tears. I can tell you that right away. Okay. Then uh, maybe if... we'll guess Nicole's first. That way Jack <laughs> okay. doesn't give it away by bursting into tears. Okay. Uh, don't Nicole. Don't ruin your eye makeup. I believe you are between five, seven and five, nine. Um, I was going to go like 
six, seven, six, eight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to go three. <laughs> I was going to go five, seven. Oh, interesting. I've actually gotten that a lot when I see people IRL uh, and they've seen me on air or something. They say that I'm, I look taller on air. Mm. So I'm five, four. Okay. Man, okay. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Maybe I have that tall. You got that five lady. seven. You got that. Right? You got that between five seven and five nine energy, Nicole. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Very specific. I don't know what energy. it is about you, but you got that. Uh, that's a good pick. Okay, up now, okay, now you go. What do you think? How tall do you think Jack and I are? Well, it's your old show, and I'm just gonna. Just come with can it. I just do uh, like? You guys are both six feet tall. Both that's the right. That's tall. the right answer. That's the safe right answer. That's okay. But if you want my honest, honest answer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we do want your honest, yeah. honest answer. Miles, you're five ten. Okay. Yes. No, and I want to yeah. hear Jack's too. Yeah. And I like well, Jack. You're oh fuck! If I say like one of you guys is taller, then it's gonna no. I, I look. We're not our toxic masculinity hurt. comes out in very odd ways, not the traditional <laughs> ways. Yeah. Understood. So Jack, you're six feet. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. That that makes sense. I'm gonna hold my tears in. Uh, this is so humiliating. <laughs> Miles is Wait. six two. Miles is six two, and also I always forget how tall he is <laughs> when I when I've been like when just been recording with him. Person. Yeah, and then I see him I'm like, wow, he's a he's a strong six two, and I'm five foot three. Uh, no, that's not true. I'm a uh, six foot between six foot and six foot one. So you really nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take five. Well, 10. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say six across the board. The that same seems like, yeah, no, you, yeah. even though you're like yeah. diplomatic, like let me protect their fragile feelings <laughs> answer <laughs> ended up being right. So I appreciate yeah. that. But well done. this well whole done. thing, though, it's interesting. In this other article, they talked about how people who are really tall or really short actually appreciate the mystery that zoom provides because it yeah. completely takes out the oh wow you're really how tall are you how tall are you mm. or oh you're so short oh you're so tiny you know like that kind of shit a lot of people are like in that sense this sort of vague you know uh sort of a nebulous concept of height that's given through zoom actually has been an upside for these people like this one woman who's a teacher was like a lot of my teachers a lot of my students they don't know i'm five ten. And so they just think I'm the teacher or whatever. And like, she's like, in my mind, she's like, I love it. Because she's like, wait till you see me in the classroom. See if, you're <laughs> if you guys are talking like that, because I'm going to tower over I'll you little kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, I read an article about how the Zoom world has helped pregnant women get raises more than they had before, because you can't see if somebody's pregnant. Wow. And so there's this idea that once you're visibly pregnant, right. you know, consciously or subconsciously an employer thinks like you're going to take time off or right. you know whatever and might not want to invest in you but you can't see that either yeah wow it's just so funny how many you know whether it's like zoom camera fatigue is like another thing that people experience or zoom based like body dysmorphia from like having to stare at our faces for hours that has like plagued people Wait, are like you staring at yourself right now or no 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 it? i i might i track my eyes pretty constantly but there are other times too where you'll i'll see myself and then i'm like kind of like my eye doing? <laughs> you know and like then it's like what the fuck is this like where this isn't normal. i'm used to just being in a room looking at other people without like a inset screen of like what my face is actively doing so yeah i mean it's just it's <laughs> this uh, new era has given us all new ailments to, to and i usually do in person keep a uh, makeup mirror going for most of the meetings just so i can kind of have a quick <laughs> quick thing that i can yeah and the but sure. you, but the magnified side because you like you like yeah. you want to check your pores out and shit yeah but do yeah. you bring a ring light uh i don't always bring a ring light yeah. and that is on me yeah, yeah. Uh, missed yeah. opportunity absolutely yeah all right, let's talk about Google's new candy, uh, Halloween candy graphic, which is bullshit. Devastating. As far as I can tell. Like last week, we, t we talked about that map that looked at the unique searches of candy in 50 states where they tried to determine which candy was each quote unquote state's favorite. Well, Google just said, y'all don't control right. the fucking data. Step aside. 
and let us tell you what is the most searched candy. And they said, look at this map. And they said, I don't know why you're debating over 50 candies, because if you look at the most searched candies by state, there are only two. M&Ms and candy corn. If you're going by what is getting the most, like, that's just it. Those are the highest searched candies, like that edge out all the other ones. There was no variation, which is really freaking me out. What? And where are the Starbursts? They're not, they're not, they're not, they're definitely not reaching the height of most searched candy. They're just saying, if you want to say what the most searched candy in this period is in California, it's candy corn. Or if it's Alaska, it's M&M's. Wyoming, <laughs> M&M's. Pretty much everywhere else is fucking candy corn. And this, this map, it's like, it's more terrifying to look at than the electoral map in 2016. When I'm like, <laughs> candy corn has news. swept the nation? Or why I do we think, keep talking about I think, it? I think this is the best evidence we have that because we are now, because uh, so much of the, uh, our diet is actually made up of corn in America, that like corn has colonized our minds. And like we are now just corn aliens who are doing the bidding of corn, uh, <laughs> corn because this society. makes no fucking sense whatsoever, uh, unless we've been we have like a parasite that is telling us to only only care about corn. I mean, on some level, is it showing that we're, despite the all the regional things you think, it's like, deep down, we're just these corn-based Americans, no matter yeah. how you cut it. We, we only think two candies exist. Or people just are searching very specifically for two candies. I'm just trying what? to think what would bring me to Google candy corn. Candy corn? Do you ever like candy corn? No. I, I don't so dislike sweet. it. I, I don't it. dislike it. I'm, oh, I've got I a real it. sweet tooth. No, nothing I'm not is sweet enough for, for me. This candy corn content. No, it's just wax sweetness. That's what it is. Yeah. It's like if you like little, if you always wanted to eat a candle, this is your chance. Oh, you guys didn't see the fine print. You see the small asterisks. Brought to you by M and M's. Yeah, brought to you by Mars. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do yeah. something, folks. Candy corn is taking the nation over. We got to fight right. back, patriots. And it's like such a straw man thing. Like they pick the worst candy. <laughs> They're like, everybody likes candy corn and not M and M's. I don't know. Uh, you guys, America, you're letting us down. Call. <laughs> the green M and M's going to be out of the job soon. It's it's getting that buzz, that hype. Yeah. Like yeah. if it's almost sold out, then folks think it's going to be cool and they're going to go get it. I mean, I think I'd, I I wonder if people search it because so, also people search it because they hate it. And they're like, dude, what's candy corn even made of? You know, because mm, I have this point. pattern. I fall into every oh, nearly every Halloween where I will try a piece of candy corn, like as if like I were a kid being like, this is the year I will like, you know, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> like this is the year I will like candy corn. Every time it's a L, I hate it. I'm disgusted by myself. And but then I also search. I'm also like weirdly interested in it. Like I found out that they used to call it chicken feet before they called it candy corn in some places. So I was like, huh. what the fuck is going on with all this stuff? So I don't know. I think we can search for the right and the wrong reasons. Yeah, because it's not specifying if you're buying it. You're just searching questions about it. Yeah. Like I have questions also about M&Ms, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like how many colors are there? Yeah, can I What's get my green own custom one, up one? To right now? You know, <laughs> it's been around for over a hundred years. Candy corn. Oh, good lord! I mean, that makes sense. It's like the candy that they came up with before they realized they could make it good. It's like the Necco wafers and like shit, like yeah. like the dots that are just like sugar in various shapes and forms uh, and colors. I mean. You know, I, w I wonder if this is one of the things keeping us back from progress in the country. It could be. You know, that we could haven't uh, done away with candy corn. Like so much of our what ails our societally is our, our, our clinging to candy corn still when it offers yeah. us nothing. It offers oh. us absolutely nothing. Guys. Yeah. Just searched candy corn dog. <laughs> Short answer. Do not feed the pups any candy corn. Really? I'm pretty nope. sure that's true of children and human adults, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just, we should not be fed that shit. Oh, it's because it has xylitol in it? Interesting. Ooh. Okay. They say xylitol, it's, it's in the candy corn, not good for dogs. All right, candy corn dog. Like, I want to know the next word after candy corn that people searched. Right. Candy right. corn. It's not Evil? just candy. Right. Right. Digestion. <laughs> Diarrhea. Right. You know, like. 
candy corn white that? supremacy. You know, like that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm, again, I'm like looking at something. This I don't know. It just doesn't make it make sense, America. Make it make sense because it's. I know we don't like it. Then the other map that they did was also interesting. They were looking up uniquely searched Halloween drinks by state, and this is like one that I like because it's actually a bit more specific, like regionally. Where in Texas they're searching for the Pennywise cocktail. If you live in New York, it's Halloween jungle juice. In California, brain hemorrhage shot. I, yeah, I've never heard of any. I mean, these are, I guess, spooky things to serve, but I like that ours has, like, the most just gross, fucked up, like, idea of it all. Like, other ones, a lot of people search for blood bag cocktails, because mm. I guess that's a big, fun party drink. But, yeah, there's just a very interesting sort of mix of things. Wrong with people. Yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, Harry Potter half blood prince cocktail, huh? I'm sorry, they're allowing Bloody Mary as a as a Halloween drink. I guess I guess it is. I've never really thought about that, but yeah, that is a yeah. Who looks at Bloody Virginia Mary? and Tennessee? Virginia and Tennessee. I mean, that's that's the one that makes sense to me. But I mean, witches brew seems right. Yeah, 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 yeah. that that fits, but. I didn't realize that in Kansas, like they're big on Harry Potter. Like that's the one where half blood Prince cocktail is. And then South mm. Dakota is the other, uh, I guess, cool JK Rowling cocktail based searches with butterbeer. But here's uh. my question. Google Trends. Mm -hmm. How do you know that what these people are searching is for the drink version? Like, What if they're a bunch of crazy killers with the brain hemorrhage shot? Like, yeah. What if this is a whole other thing how they're to, searching? How to get how to get someone with a brain hemorrhage shot? You're like, oh no, wait, what? Right. How to shoot someone and make it look like a brain hemorrhage? Syringe uh, jello shots are just like like really like uh, bad nurses like on shift. They're like, dude, I mean, what? fucking Arizona is Black Widow. That is a deadly spider that is endemic to the state of Arizona. Like, <laughs> which <are> Miles <laughs> nicely lets out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, a black widow. I, I mean, if it's in, in if it's in the building, that's one thing. You're like, babe, I'm out. Yeah, but like <laughs> yeah. regular ones, you know, I will, I will, I will escort them out very kindly. Vampires kiss in Louisiana. I mean, that just might be what what you're looking for on any given night. You know, a blackberry lime juice, agave nectar, basil leaves. That's I guess what is in a black widow. But I don't know. Anyways, all hail our Lord and Savior, corn. <laughs> Nicole, it has been a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? You can find me at Nicole Lappin wherever social media is served. You can listen daily to Money Rehab. You know yeah. where to find it, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Boom. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? I have been enjoying, while we were talking about the debt ceiling, I was thinking about one that I loved asking the government if they had the audacity to give us a credit score. Right. Mm, yeah. And they are all in debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Miles, where can people find you? What's tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, Miles of Gray. Also, if you like 90 Day Fiance, check out the other show, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra and I were, you know, just a couple immigrant kids watching the show being like, what the fuck is this? But we love it. It's <laughs> trash. Uh, so come by for that. Twitch.tv slash 420 Day Fiance. Uh, tweet that I like. There's a couple. Since we were just talking about these weird cocktail recipes, uh, Willie at Willie Staley tweeted, Envy the younger generation that completely missed out on the bespoke cocktail revolution of a decade ago and knows it only from jokes. The jokes were all real. There were really guys in suspenders who took 10 minutes to make a drink and they had mustaches. That's all true. <laughs> that was the only way you could drink a drink, I feel like, on Melrose at a certain point. Another one, which I really love, is uh, from Jess Tom at Jess Tom. Tweeted, white people think, all Asians come from either Japan or China, which is ridiculous because as an Asian American, I know all Asians come from either NorCal or SoCal. Uh, <laughs> and that just hit me right in my SoCal Asian heart. So shout out to that tweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, a couple of tweets I've been enjoying. Aaron McGuire Olson tweeted, 
The challenge I'm doing this month is called October, and it's where I just try to get through every day of October. And then <laughs> Jimmy uh, at Jimmy that. Ampha tweeted, you're in his DMs. I'm not. I don't want to talk to him. I like that as a... Everyone loves that construction. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, no. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Uh, Miles, what song are we sending people to go check This out? is, uh, again, we're talking about breaking genres. This is like an R&B future track. If it's like as if someone was like trying to make R sample based R and B like in the ashes of an apocalypse and all they had was a scratched up D'Angelo C D to take samples mm. from. This is called Shovel by an artist called Fred Wave. And for the D'Angelo fans of the album Voodoo, I say that because there's a really spooky sample of the track Spanish joint that's being used throughout the track in a very like I don't know, very spooky way. That's the only way I can describe it. So check this out. This is Shovel by Fred Wave. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcaster, wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.